Hey folks, welcome to the Cyber Hub Podcast. It is Veteran November. It is just that. Thank you to the uh, men and women that make the ultimate sacrifice to their families that make the ultimate sacrifice of not spending time with their loved ones during holidays and so forth. And so for this month, I've decided to dedicate um, um, every single episode we do to veterans and I'm highlighting veteran stories. And I have an awesome guest with me today. We just got to meet, but I got to tell you, I, I, I can't wait to, to pick this guy's brain a little bit. Um, Bryson Burt, he's the CEO and founder of Skythe. He's also one of the founders of um, Grimm, which is another company you're also one of the founders of um um uh, defcon's ics village correct so that's uh, that's actually bigger than defcon we're a non-profit uh the ics village um that we we do international education on critical infrastructure i love critical infrastructure we'll talk about that as well um so um bryson thank you for coming on i love your hoodie i love the unicorn i love everything it's brilliant um, what does your shirt say? Hack the planet. Yeah. So um, this is the ICS Village uh, CTF. So you mentioned DefCon, our CTF. Um, not this year because with the pandemic, <laughs> everything being virtual, we didn't do it. Uh, we did the CTF, but um, the winners of our CTF have actually won black badges at DefCon. Awesome. Which is, yeah, which is a really big deal. Yeah. Well, DefCon's like the one. You know, I was hoping that this pandemic would be dealt with by DEFCON, so DEFCON wouldn't have to be. It's the one conference I look forward to a year, and unfortunately, um, uh, it, it went virtual as well. So, Bryson, one, thank you for your service. You are a veteran. So, would you mind just telling um, our audience a little bit about what branch of the military you served and how long you were you were enlisted for and so forth? Sure. So uh, I graduated from uh, West Point, United States Military Academy. So I was commissioned as a lieutenant. Um, I was a, an army officer. Okay. And were, um, what was your MOS? Can you say? Or sure. Uh, yeah, my primary MOS was uh, 25 Alpha. I was a Signal Corps officer. Uh-huh. Um, so everybody always talks about cyber. This is the days before cyber was a thing. And mostly uh, we had two purposes run around sandy grid squares so everybody could communicate and not get yelled at or <laughs> fix the colonel's printer. I mean, that was, those were, those were the two options. That was cyber. But what was it? The old school, like printers that they still use at the airports. Whenever I hear like them print the passenger manifest at an airport. Now I'm always, I always cringe at the thought that they're still using those printers. Um, even worse. Um, so we had, what was that at the time? It was a uh, UGC seven, which is a tactical fax machine. And this large, it was like 40 pound green box. And inside of it was like a pencil and the pencil would write the fact as it got. So that's even, it's even worse than those dot matrix printers that you're talking about. <laughs> military grade. <laughs> yeah, baby. You know, the, the, the military, the, everyone gets, everyone enlists uh, thinking they get the best and then you show up and you get MREs. Um, and that's the first mill you're introduced to. Well, unless you go into the Air Force, in which case, you know, it's fine dining all the way. Right. I mean, it's it's lobster tails and filet and surf and turf. Um, that's what I heard. That's all I heard. That's that's my old producer on the show. He he was an Air Force guy, and we used to give him a hard time about it. Whenever we'd go out to eat, we'd just be like, hey, is this, is this within the qualities that you got used to in the Air Force? Or, you know, is Applebee's just not up to standard? <laughs> Is somebody gonna? Is someone gonna make a crayon joke about the Marines now? 
No, 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 negative, no, negative. Uh, th- that that's an absolute negative. So tell me about your transition, kind of from military to civilian. What was that like? What were some of the challenges you dealt with? Yeah, so I really I dealt with with two challenges. Um, so I got I got hurt when I was in the service, and when we were redeploying to Iraq, uh, I went to. Um, I was already going to um, BAMC in San Antonio, which is the, the Walter Reed of the South for uh, consistent treatment. And my medical profile at that point was this thick. And I was I was pretty broken. And when we were going back to Iraq, uh, I went through SRP and the specialist looks at me and he's just like, sir, I, I can't I can't I can't clear you to go. Um, and so I was uh, I was medically boarded out uh, at the height of the war. And that was emotionally very difficult for me because my entire, uh, not only like my life, but all of my friends, my soldiers, everything that had been who I saw myself as who I was, was, was in the, in the army and we were at war and this was after nine 11. And, and I, I emotionally struggled with that transition. It took me several years uh, to come to terms with that, even though obviously it was out of my control. Um, the second part of that was, uh, I assume they still do this, where they have the uh, the volume military recruiter types who um, pump you through the conferences. They set up all these interviews with the, the traditional large veteran hirers like General Dynamics, Lockheed Martin, etc. And uh, so I went to one of those and I was, you know, I, I mean, I, I took the first job that I was offered and it was with a British aerospace and defense company. And I didn't really think that there was a big deal because the British speak English. We speak English. <laughs> How complicated can this be? Um, um, start messing with the use and you'll find out. <laughs> oh, I, I created an entire British American dictionary during my, my tour there. Um, but I, I didn't know what the job was. And I was honest with them. Like they, they, I remember the interview because I was the last interview of the day. So I got everybody in the company that was interviewing um, there. And they're like, well, we're hiring for a global commodity manager and supply chain management. And I was like, I, I don't know what that is. I don't know what those words mean. <laughs> and they're like, well, it's kind of like, it's kind of like being an S4. And I'm like, how? Like, I don't get it. Um, they hired me, <laughs> which, which tells you something about the, the amount of desperation on that side, um, as well as on my side. Um, and sure enough, I, I did struggle becoming technically proficient in the job because one, um, the politics of it were the boss that I was hired to, to, to work with and the team was all in England. And at that time, I was right outside Tampa in Florida and I was by myself and I didn't know what I was doing. And she hadn't really bought into this plan to hire people like me. So she wasn't she didn't care that I was a veteran or I was an academy graduate or that I had, you know, abilities. She just saw somebody who wasn't trained to the same level as the professionals who had been doing this job for 10 to 15 years had been. And I struggled really hard to come up with that gap in understanding as well as to learn the job. And that's when I discovered human resources along the way. Cause I didn't really know what HR was because she and I were butting heads. Right. Uh, because I was getting frustrated. I'm like, I'm trying to do the job, but you're not teaching me how to do it. And so she's like, all right, we're going to HR. And I was like, yes, that sounds like a great thing. Here's this corporate third party that's going to help me negotiate my issues with my boss. 
So I learned that's not what HR is. Uh, HR is there to document the problem child, which was me, um, who's not doing what the boss wants. Um, but it, it ended up working out um, because in that meeting, I was like, look, I just need somebody who knows what they're doing to coach me. And there was a guy who had started on our team the month prior. I'd only met him once, but I just had a good feeling. And I was like, assign me to Andy so I can learn the job. So I'll, I'll, I'll shadow him. I'll talk to him. He'll be my coach. And sure enough, after a few months, I became competent at the job. And it turned out not to be that difficult. And then at that point, I was like, yeah, well, you know what? I, I'm tired of this job. I want to go back into IT. So that's when I, <laughs> I, I jumped over to take over. Um, they were standing up a, an asset configuration management group globally. Um, and so I did that. I built that from scratch uh, for several years. But that, my transition was difficult both physically because I was seriously injured emotionally because I was not in a good place um, with myself. And then third, I went to a place where I both had cultural challenges as well as um, technical proficiency issues. So before we get into your entrepreneurship, because that's that's always interesting and, and, and I don't want to touch on that. Did you learn cybersecurity during your time as an enlisted service member or was it after? Uh, so not to pick on enlisted, but I wasn't enlisted. I was an officer. I'm sorry. Um, I'm so that's sorry. okay. No, no, they, they work. I just, you know, sit and drink coffee. Right. And, um, and, and then ask them to bring you more coffee. <laughs> no, I always made my own coffee. Um, no, I, I, I was in as much as, like I said, that space didn't really exist. I was into that space. Um, when I was a kid, I was okay. the proverbial hacker who tore everything apart. Um, I would break operating systems for fun. Um, I had the opportunity. Uh, so at West Point, I was a, uh, my bachelor's degree was in computer science. And then I was the first full-time uh, brigade information systems officer, which was essentially the lead cadet to um, interface with uh, the Department of Inf Information Management, which is the DUM. I don't know what they call them anymore, um, to, to ensure uh, service and security. So... Today, you're a founder and a CEO of, of several cyber organizations. How did you find your path to entrepreneurship? <laughs> um, so I, at one point, had the greatest job ever. Um, I helped uh, build and grow um, one of the major capability development groups in the country. And that was, that was good for me because where I had talked about, like, I felt like when I got out of the army, I'd lost my way a little bit. Like I didn't feel like I would be able to, to serve the same way. That opportunity as a civilian um, to get to operationally contribute to real world results and national security um, was uh, a game changer for me. And I'm very grateful that I had that opportunity. And uh, effectively, I, I saw my job as a bit of a CTO where I would go to different mission organizations understand their challenges in the field and then our teams would come up with multiple different ways to to solve those and then three to six months later those things would be in the field making a difference um, and then as as everything grew and the team was more successful i ended up spending more and more time in staff meetings and fighting off administrative garbage and i was just like this isn't fun anymore um why don't i just why don't I start my own thing so that I can have uh, the opportunity to, to do it my way? 
Um, my parents thought I was crazy because I had had at that point I was in a very successful position and they were just like, you know, how can you, how can you walk away from all of that? And you're going to like be, be by yourself. And the reality is no entrepreneur does anything by themselves. Um, you do it with a team and there's always supporters. And I had a number of supporters. Um, probably the biggest one who put the idea in my head was a, was a guy named Brad Burr who has founded some of his own companies. And he, he pushed, uh, he gave me that encouragement, like, you know, why don't you think about doing it? And that's, that's ultimately what set that emotion for that point of where I wasn't happy anymore doing what I was doing. And I figured, you know what, I'm going to do this my own way. Um, and so that's, that was that, that piece. That's, um, that's brilliant. So, so do you, do you hire veterans within your organizations today? Yeah. So Grim does, um, does a lot of work commercially and with the government. Uh, obviously veterans are really good for government work because they already understand the culture. They understand the processes. Um, things like clearances can tend to be a requirement for government work. And a lot of veterans already have that, but um, that's that's like the administrative check mark. I'd say the bigger part is they already understand the mission need and how to meet it. And so being able to do that uh, through a government contractor or an outside organization can tend to give you a little bit more freedom to get some things done sometimes. Um, so that's a positive. And then uh, the way we run our company, we like to think of it as we run it like a military organization. So our code of conduct, our processes, our values, the way we do things, um, with the commercial side as well, is also has a lot of that military flavor. Um, and so we like veterans who already have those values and fit really well and align with the way we do things no matter where we're doing work. That's that's brilliant. And, th- and thank you for doing that. So l- let's say, for example, now let's talk to someone who has his own company who doesn't understand um, what it means to hire veterans. So, and, and I want to say this, I want to preface this to a lot of the listeners. A, a lot of the listeners know this, but, uh, you know, my wife's from Israel. Both of my parents are Israelis. I spent time in Israel. And even though I served in the U S military, I, uh, um, I, I, I do love some of the stuff that the IDF does. I think I remember my first time ever, and you'll love this Bryson. I was uh, in Israel and I had gone on base somewhere to, to watch a military briefing of a unit. And the military, uh, uh, the the commander uh, was speaking to to his to his unit, and they just started arguing with him about the plan of course of action. And I just stood there and I was all like, "What is going on? Why are they arguing? Like this would never, you know, really happen this way in a structured environment." And then quickly I realized in Israel they have this thing of a chutzpah, and um, you know everyone thinks they know the best method forward even the new private who just joined uh who just enlisted he's he's fully fledged like i know how to create this battle plan as well not to say there isn't any discipline but there is but in israel it was very interesting because when i did move to israel everyone kept asking me the first interview question was what'd you do in the military because everyone there does military and in the u.s not everyone does military right i think one percent of our population serves in the service so Having said that, that preface kind of of why I ask this question is, what would you tell a U.S. employer about hiring veterans? What would kind of be your your advice to that person or what would you tell them to understand the asset of hiring veterans? Sure. So we have a people problem in our industry. 
we have a predilection of nerds who like to be nerds. And the reality is that the largest surface area of risk in any organization is the people. It's the users. It's the information security staff trying to use the tools to combat the threats and assure the mission. And so where I'm going with this is we need people in the space desperately. And the prevailing joke, of course, is, well, you know, you can be a junior analyst. You just need five years of experience and 17 cert. <laughs> How is that a junior? And so where I'm going with this is that veterans are oftentimes, they face that same challenge of how do I translate the skills that I have or how do I get somebody to give me a chance to come into a very growing and lucrative opportunity when we are also having this challenge as industry as a whole. So what I would say that you get out of uh, hiring a military vet is first of all, you're going to be getting somebody who has dealt with a level of responsibility that the average civilian doesn't get, right? I mean, I can remember when I was a 23 year old lieutenant and I had 63 soldiers under my command and suddenly I, I deployed right after 9-11 and I was over in the Middle East going, I can't believe I'm in charge of all of this. Are you kidding me? I'm 23. <laughs> you don't get that level of responsibility as a 23 year old in the civilian world. You do get it in the military. And so it breeds a level of understanding and maturity and really understanding the people aspect of this from a team leadership and collaboration to make things happen. Because if I've learned anything, it's the stick to that matters the most in any employee. And right. veterans have that in spades. And so employers need to give the benefit of the doubt that, hey, I'm going to have to train you. I'm going to have to invest in this person to get them to where I want, because that's what we need to do for all folks. And so giving veteran, not holding veteran against veterans more than anything else, just like we're, again, this problem we see throughout this industry of what it takes to come on board and be a competent cybersecurity professional. Well, it's, it's, the, it's the work ethic. Veterans just have, I think, and, and in my experience, what I've seen is the veterans, they don't quit until mission is completed. There's no, you know, breaks right now. There's no taking time off. It's mission until mission's completed. I'm not going anywhere. And I think that's, that's an asset to any organization. Yeah. And that's, that's what I mean by that stick to itiveness, right? right? That's, that's the grit to get it done, to figure it out and get it done. I mean, Absolutely. So final question and kind of taking you back rendezvous lane. What's the one thing you loved about your military service? It was not the MREs, James. Are you sure? MRE is like how every soldier learned how to trade. If you did not know how to trade when you joined the military, when you got MREs, you learned how to trade. So um, I, I never found MREs that bad. They were, they were fine. It's just when that's all you had to eat, that got boring. Uh, but it was better than not eating. Uh, so the thing I miss the most is that that sense of community and friendship. I have never had friends as strongly as the ones that I had when I was in the military. In fact, uh, one of my friends is, um, I think he's a department chair at West Point. He didn't go to West Point, but he's teaching there. And he's getting promoted to uh, Full Bird uh, next week. Um, and, oh, that reminds me, I'm supposed to also offer some of those resources I mentioned. Um, <laughs> so the fact that it's been, I'm, 
I mean, I, I was at the last time I saw him, I believe is when he was promoted to Lieutenant Colonel. No, I saw him one time in between. But that level of friendship over the years because of those shared experiences under that kind of required mission, I missed that. And I've never found any place that can replicate that that same strong sense. Um, and so in, in that vein, like I talked to you during uh, before the show started, I do want to offer some some resources. Um, one, obviously, I mentioned answering your question earlier, how my company Grimm um, is always looking to hire vets. Uh, we have some free resources as well. So um, this is not a company specific activity, but on November 13th, um, we're hosting, uh, we're helping host a Purple Team Summit. For those of you who don't know what purple teaming is, um, it is the next evolution of red teaming or offensive risk assessments for computers. Um, that's a free summit, which will have free workshops and free training and free classes. Uh, and then on December 30th, uh, one of the things that Grimm put together uh, when uh, the pandemic and quarantine started was a free conference. But what's different about this conference is we encourage folks who've never given a talk before to submit. And what we do is we have an entire new speaker track. And before the conference even starts, uh, we pair them with a coach. And so that coach helps them with their research. It helps them put the presentation together. It helps them with the presentation skills. So it's really a like assigned mentor to help you bring something to it to actually give and share with the community. And a lot of people are intimidated by that. And the reason that we do that is one, you become a master of material by teaching it. Two, I think that security is stronger by multiple viewpoints. And so bringing new, fresh blood that's looking at things from a different perspective and sharing that, I think, is valuable to the community. Brilliant. So November 13th, December 30th, quite a ways away for December 30th. We'll keep I'll, I'll make sure to mention it. And if you um, if you send me some information, I'll also put it on the uh, description part of this podcast so people can see the links below. So for everyone um, uh, watching or listening, so if you're watching us on YouTube, right below us right in the description box just expand you'll see the links there if you're listening on your favorite podcast listening platform just go into the description right there you'll see all the links to the purple team summit and the uh, grim summit on december 30th folks um thank you so much to bryson burt thank you for your service sir and um thank you for everything that you're doing for for other service men members and other brothers and sisters who put on those uniform and volunteer to uh, to fight for our nation. Um, that's it for this episode. We'll have more of these all month long here. All in November is dedicated to our veterans. So if you're a veteran, you know a veteran, um, and you want to talk a little bit about your experience, you can always reach out to us at cyberhubpodcast.com or find me on LinkedIn or Twitter. Um, until next time, folks, thanks so much for uh, listening. Thanks so much for tuning in. Most importantly, stay healthy during this pandemic. Bryson, stay healthy. Health is something that we don't get back. Once it's gone, it is gone and stay cyber safe.